Amen. I love this church. Today I'm going to talk about five reasons to vote for Trump and five reasons to vote for Biden. Just kidding. Thank you for laughing. I want somebody to like me at the end of this. Oh, shoot. Uh, I do love this church, though. That part's true. I love this church, and I love what God's doing in it. Um, Bethany just talked about the group deliverance uh, session that's coming up next week. I do want to encourage you to do that. Uh, one disclaimer, or just, just a little detail to that. It's done in a group. We're going to do this one in a group, but your dirty laundry is not going to be brought up in front of the group, okay? It's not like you get in front of people and say, okay, the, you know, 10 years ago, this is what I did. There's some homework for you to deal with that before you come, but the group session is everyone's going to be sitting in chairs doing the same thing at the same time. No one's going to be picked out as like, oh, hey, look, look how, you know, you're all messed up, but he's real messed up. It's not, nothing like that is going to happen in the group deliverance session. So if you've ever thought about it, this is a perfect spot to get going on it. And of course, that's on mynewhope.in. Just tap on uh, the group deliverance um, card there when you see that. Thank you, Dad, for uh, giving me the opportunity again to preach today, especially on something like politics. Whoa. Like, man, I can't believe you let me do that. <clears throat> I asked him, and he's like, well, it depends what you're going to say. I'm like, all right, that's good. <laughs> so my, my car was getting work. My car, I had to set up an appointment to get my car worked on a little bit this upcoming week. And they said, yeah, we can get you in November 3rd. And I was like, yeah, let me check my calendar. I have a feeling that something big is happening. Um, and I looked. I was like, oh, wait, yeah. The, the election's coming up November 3rd. It's kind of a big, big deal. <clears throat> For the kingdom of God, there's a lot at stake this next Tuesday. But it may not be what you think it is. There's a whole lot at stake for the kingdom of God. But it may not be what, what you think it is. This weekend, I want to remind us of a universal truth. It's a truth you probably already know. We cannot control what happens to us. We can only control how we respond to it. I learned this when I was a little boy. Uh, me and my sister would be fighting. My sister would always pick, she was my big sister, and so she'd always pick on me. And, you know, in the back seat, they'd be like touching. And, be, and, and my sister would just touch me, and she'd say, ew, ew. And the longer she touched me, the longer the ew went on. Ew, 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 ew. And I'd say, Mommy, she's touching me. And so she'd like, stop touching your brother. And then a few minutes later, she did something worse. Like she would get up, up close to me, and she'd go, Ew, ew. I'd say, Mom, she's not touching me, and I'd get whacked for being stupid. But, <laughs> but we'd get in fights sometimes as kids, as any siblings would. And at the like, like my sister would shove me, and I'd shove her back, and I'd get in trouble. I'd say, But Mom, she started it. And moms would say, Yeah, but you could have finished it. I can't control what happens to me, but I can control how I respond to what happens to me. Church family, I believe there's much at stake for our city, state, and nation, but I believe there's something even bigger at stake than some of us may realize. I believe this week, the reputation of Jesus and the reputation of his church, of his bride, are at stake as well. Regardless of what happens on Tuesday, there's going to be a lot of Opinionated, loud, vocal people sounding off in every conceivable direction we can imagine. And as Christians, we have the opportunity 
to get pulled into the middle of the fray and negativity and opinion if we're not careful. If we're not careful, we'll find ourselves focused on opinions that don't matter and fighting battles that can't possibly be won in a comment section. I'm not saying don't care about it, but this is not our life's focus. We know we cannot control what happens to us. We can only control how we respond to it. And how we respond is or should be in direct correlation and in submission to our Heavenly Father. He's not president. Before America was ever a thing, he was the king. And someday America won't be a thing anymore. Someday. And Jesus will still be king. There's one who's in charge. And our trust has to be in, in him. God has a way for Christians to live and to be in our world this week. And you may be thinking, I'm, I'm just a teenager. You know, what, what, what is this? I don't matter. In all, I can't even vote yet. I don't matter in this. Or, or maybe you're not a teenager and you just think, I don't do the whole political thing. I don't care. Or maybe just, I don't care. Enough of it. You, you already deleted Facebook and decided you're not going to vote. No matter where you find yourself, I want to rem- remind you that you matter more than you think you do. You matter. And you have a part to play in this. Every age, you have a part to play in this. God wants you to care because he wants you to care about the people he cares about. There's people involved here. He wants you to care about them. Anybody know somebody? Okay. A lot of liars, but y'all know somebody. God wants you to care for them. And so this matters. So this matters. So today, two days before the election, two days before much of the world loses its mind, somewhere or the other, two days before our tempers flare, I want to give us three responses for us as Christians. If you're taking notes or if you have um, my Sunday experience open, you can write these down or just take note of them. Here's number one. We must love. We must love. This is the response that Christians should have this week is the one filled with love. If you have your Bible, would you flip it to uh, Romans chapter 12? If you're online, you can, you're already, you're already there. Oh, wait, <laughs> I was prepared. I put a ribbon in. <laughs> Here I am flipping around. Jesus gives us really clear instructions on how we should live in the world around us. And I, I love this passage in in Romans 12. There's so many applications for it, but just, just imagine it through the situation that we're in this week. Uh, Romans 12, starting in verse 10. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. This week is a chance for us to double down in prayer. Verse 12. Be joyful in hope. Patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Let's pray this week. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Verse 14. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Blessing should be coming out of our mouth this week, church. Blessings and not curses. It's specific. That should be the the main thing that we speak out of our mouth this week is blessings. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, 
be willing to associate with people of low position or the opposite political persuasion. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not overcome do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. My five-year-old understands this. He was playing soccer a few weeks ago, and you know his, his team had the ball, and there was a kid on the opposite team who tripped and fell, and he stopped everything and went over and checked on him. And after, I was so proud. And after him, after the game, he came over, and I said, great job, Caleb, you looked good. And I almost forgot all about that. And he looked at me, and he said, Dad, did you notice I didn't just care about the goal? I cared about people, too. I'm like, I, I did notice. That's awesome. I hope we can say that, too. After, at the end of this week, I hope we can look at our Heavenly Father and say, did you notice? I didn't just care about my country. I cared about people, too. We must love. Our response when we don't win. Let's face it. I know there's some Republicans. I know there's some Democrats here or listening. Somebody in this room will be disappointed. Okay? Our response when we don't win says more about our character than our response when we do win. Yes. Just like in, in Little League, you know, don't be a sore loser. Our, it shows our character, how we respond when we don't get what we want. May our language, behavior, emails, and Facebook posts this week honor Jesus more than they honor our political persuasion. Can we do that? That's a fair, fair thing, right? Let's honor Jesus more than we honor our political persuasion. What will not honor God is a bunch of posts and gripes from Christians dogging the other party or the process or the media or dogging on people like there's something less than human made in the image of God. But what will make an impact is when the world sees Christians responding in grace, honor, and love towards all of the people involved in the election. How do we do that? Don't lose your peace. You're allowed to disagree, okay? Don't lose your peace. Don't lose your cool. Don't lose your reputation debating a friend who sees things a little differently than you. Bless them. Pray for them. Sometimes when I see things really different than somebody, and I just, like, like I want to be right, Yeah, I do. I'd love to be right. <laughs> but what I really, what I find that there's this, sometimes I just be like, in my, in my, in my mind, to, to help me let it go, is I say, it's America. They have the right to be wrong. Okay. I just... <laughs> if that helps you, say it in your mind. Don't say it out loud. Just say it in your mind if that helps you not lose your peace, if that helps you not lose your cool, if that helps you not lose your reputation debating something that's never going to be resolved. Because this can't be our focus. This can't be our primary focus in life. Your work can't be your primary focus in life. When you encounter someone who sees the world differently, this one could be harder. 
instead of hating on them, empathize. Listen. Listen. I heard a story one time of a pastor who um, he saw a man with like, like hundreds of tattoos, like face tattoos, arm tattoos, and a lot of piercings. Well, the, lot, the, the position that a lot of people take on that is that when they see that guy, they're like... But he said, I, something in my mind just, just switched because I decided I was going to see him as somebody made in the image of God. And so instead of... Now, every time he sees a person like that, he goes, did it hurt? <laughs> he said he did that one time, and the guy said, you have no idea. <laughs> and they were able to talk. Let's show love this week. Your friends, your children, your coworkers, they're paying attention to the attitudes of, of the body of Christ this week. They're paying attention. You've got to show love. The Bible says so. All right, here's number two. We must trust in God's sovereignty. We must trust in God's sovereignty. It's really easy to trust God when everything goes our way. It's really easy to trust God when everything's fine. Anybody ever been in a situation where you have to trust God? Things aren't okay? That's where trust really begins. Before that, it's just words. But trust includes like a faith, like I have faith in something I don't see, which means this is how how the world is right now, and even though I don't see it, I'm still going to believe that this is true. It's easy to trust when everything goes our way. For some of us this week, it's not going to go our way. And for some of us, that will severely test our trust in the sovereignty of God. Like, 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 for some of us, we've been praying for a particular candidate to win. Because this candidate has to be the will of the God, and the other one can't possibly be the will of God. But if that guy doesn't win, then what? We must trust in God's sovereignty. That's what. It doesn't change God. Remember, our answer is not in politics. By the way, I could like go through and like find and replace, I could take this message, find it and replace politics and put just about any other distraction and this message would still run true. I'm not against politics, okay, but it, I'm saying it can be a distraction. Remember, our answer is not politics. Our answer is who? Jesus. Our answer is Jesus. You should still vote. You should still care. You should still be involved. You should still be involved in the world where God put you. When, when, God, uh, exiled, when, when the uh, Israelites were exiled to Babylon, Jeremiah 29, 11 says, I know the plans I have for you. But, but read, read the context. Like, like, good plans for you. Read the context. What happened before that is all these other prophets said, you're just going to be in Babylon for just a minute. And Jeremiah comes along. He's like, oh, no, actually, they're all wrong. You're going to be there for a long time. You're going to be exiled in Babylon for a whole long time. In fact, don't, don't huddle. Invest in Babylon. Make it prosper. For if the, if the world where I put you prospers, you'll prosper too. Wherever, whatever country Christians find themselves in, and all of us right now, we find ourselves in Waterloo, Indiana, which is a state in the United States. We're exiled 
right now in that sense. Because our home is heaven. You believe our home is heaven. That's our home. And so invest in this. Because if this prospers, you too shall prosper. We all have a perspective. And it's a very common error to begin and to see the world with the presupposition that God shares your perspective. It don't necessarily work that way. Okay. We all have a perspective, and it's a really common error to have a presupposition that God shares our perspective. That's not how it works. We should start our days remembering that it is our job to share his perspective. Something I've observed. Maybe you haven't observed it, but I've observed it. I've observed uh, in some thinking, I've observed a merging of Christianity in politics or Christianity in nationalism. I'm going to use my hands, Christianity and nationalism. And in and, and, and some thinking, I've, I've observed it become merged like this. I actually heard of one person who, who told his pastor, I, I really see the Bible in the Constitution like this. That's an error. They both were not inspired by God. It's at, at least not in the same, at least not in the same level. Do you know how I know? Because this one can be changed. People can change this. This one said that a black person wasn't worth of a whole vote at one point in our history. This one can be changed. This one can be wrong. This one can't. So the Bible and Constitution, if they're merged, that's just wrong. That, that's not biblical. And then I've seen a reaction to that. I've observed a reaction to that. No, they can't be merged, so let's separate them. That's also not right. It, it, it might be an improvement, but Christianity and politics don't belong on the same platform. They're not level, nor are they unassociated. If you want a Christian nation, this isn't what a Christian nation should or could look like. If you want a Christian nation, there's only one biblical order that this can be in. God on top, everything else. Everything else. When you look at politics, let's not blend it. It doesn't belong like this. It doesn't belong like this. It belongs like this. America isn't the kingdom of God. Although I do believe God's blessing America and God blessed America. And I pray for God to bless America. His ideas, when you put God at the top and everything else underneath, his ideas trump no pun intended, man's. <laughs> I lied. Pun was intended. <laughs> Jesus is not a Democrat or a Republican. He's a king over a greater kingdom. It's like, where does God fit in? The he doesn't fit into this. He's this. He's the king. Psalm 20, verse 7 says this. Some people trust in chariots and some in horses and some in a political system. I added that. But we trust in the name of the Lord, our God. 
If fear grips your heart when you listen to the news or you think about politics, oh, I can't imagine what, what's going to happen to the world if so-and-so is elected. You're trusting in chariots. No, that was it. That was it. Go back. Go to the verse. You're trusting in chariots and horses. The political, party is some, the political system is something that people made. But we trust in the name of the Lord our God. Trusting God includes trusting his timeline. 2 Corinthians 4.18 says, So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. How could that person be elected? You're, you're basing that statement based upon what you see. We fix our eyes on not what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Think back to the Bible stories you've heard. If you've been a Christian a long time, you've, if you were raised as a Christian, you may have heard a lot of Bible stories in uh, you know, Sunday school. God did this over and over, right? God does his best work in hostile and adverse times. Sometimes God will allow ungodly or unholy rulers. God allowed Pharaoh. Pharaoh, I say that, Pharaoh. Is that how I say it, Pharaoh? For some reason, I just forgot how to talk. <laughs> just right here. Just you all got to witness it. God allowed Pharaoh for 400 years to oppress his people so he could show off his great wonders when he let him out. God allowed Herod, evil Herod, so that Jesus could fulfill prophecy, be born in Bethlehem, and then be a refugee to Egypt. God allowed Nebuchadnezzar to demonstrate to all of us, but especially to Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, God is with us even in the fire. Over and over through scripture, God allowed adverse political conditions so that people would be desperate and cry out to him. Church, we are not promised peaceful circumstances. But we are promised that the God of peace will never leave us never leave us hanging and never depart from us. In fact, we're actually promised the opposite. We're promised trouble. Jesus said, in this world, you will have. You're going to have it. We're promised turmoil. James says it like this, James 1, uh, verses 3 and 4. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. This year has been a, a really normal year. <laughs> this year has been a, a year of great testing. It's tested a lot of faith. Between coronavirus and racial tensions, and how you feel about coronavirus, how you feel about racial tensions, and now the election. Many Christians have fallen away. George Barna produces stats that help Christians, and, and he did a, a study in the middle of the coronavirus pandemic, and he says that one-third of active, committed followers of Christ who went to church every week, a third of them uh, attend, started attending other churches and flip-flopped around. They didn't stay faithful to their church. A third of them stopped attending church completely. They just quit completely in the midst of this year. And that leaves one-third. I presume I'm looking at most of them. 
Many of you have come to a new level of faith in the midst of this year. When there's been nothing to trust in, you've, you've realized you found something to trust in. Many are letting God mature you. Way to go. Keep going. Because digging deeper, having deeper trust with God will be necessary for the next thing that God has for you. Every time you hit an adverse situation, say, God, you must be preparing me for something. James tells us what's up. James 1.12, blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. All right, here's number three. We must stay focused on building God's kingdom. Matthew chapter 28, gives, Jesus gives us the great commission. Let's read it together. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Who was Jesus talking to? Us. He was not talking to just a few pastors. That was not an instruction for, you know, Christian leaders, evangelists, and pastors. That was instruction for everyone who follows him. We call it the Great Commission. So if you are a follower of Jesus, that's yours. Go into all the world and make disciples. Regardless of who wins this election, at any level, local, regardless of who wins, it has no bearing whatsoever of our primary purpose in life. We are here to make disciples who make other disciples. We are here to help lost people get found, found people get free, and free people get empowered to serve God's kingdom. The election has nothing to do with the greatest thing that we're called to do. Number one, make disciples. Wednesday morning, we'll wake up and there may be utter confusion. We still may not know who won main elections. It may take weeks to know. I don't know how it's going to go. There may be turmoil and unrest. There may be riots on streets on either side. But when we wake up, three things will be true Wednesday morning. When you woke up this morning, they were true. And on Wednesday, they'll be true. Jesus is the king of our foremost kingdom. Heaven awaits us. Number two, God's word is still true. He has, good, he has good plans for his people. He has good plans for his people. And number three, our mission will still be about winning people to Jesus and building his church. Do you believe that Jesus is the answer to a hurting world? Do you believe that Jesus is the answer to a broken world? You believe that? Okay. If the next week or weeks go as some say they may, there will be a lot of hurting, broken, confused, disillusioned people in our world. You're going to be in school with some of them. You're going to be at work with some of them. You may be living in the house with some of them. There's going to be a lot of hurt. So who's the answer? to brokenness, disillusionment. Jesus! Jesus is the answer. Church, we have to be about his purpose. We must stay focused on building God's 
kingdom. Our purpose is going to make sure, our purpose is going to be to make sure that, that the people around us hear and see a Jesus that is attractive to them in the midst of their pain and despair and hopelessness and confusion. That doesn't just, I mean, that's not just an accurate statement for every four years. Let me say it again, because you can, you can just use this, play this back a year from now. Our purpose is to make sure that the world around us, make sure that the hurting people around us hear and see a Jesus that is attractive to them in the midst of their pain, despair, hopelessness, and confusion. Jesus is the answer to it. But if we run, run around joining and being focused, and all they see out of the church is gripes and shared disillusionment, and does that help the kingdom of God? Here is my appeal for believers this week. The band can come on up. My appeal is that we keep God placed in the right position of our lives. Number one. Everybody say number one. He, you know he should be number one on your life, right? Number one. And my second appeal is that we live in such a way that at the end of the week, people get the impression, wow, he sure is positive. Or, wow, how is she so hope-filled? I know they don't believe, I know that guy doesn't believe like I believe, but it sure seems like he cares about me. Can we do that? If we, if we see somebody and encounter someone who sees the world a little differently, can we just love them because they're made in the image of Jesus? You don't need a second reason, right? I hope everyone that encounters me in the next few weeks says, it sure seems like he cares about me. I don't agree with him, but wow, there's something about that guy. I hope you say the same thing. And that's how we'll live if we, when we surrender our life fully to the Lord. That will be attractive. Look at this, John 14, 6 says, Jesus answered, I am the way, I am the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Would you stand with me? Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So whose way are we living for? Who's, whose truth are we living for? Whose life are we living for? Who will we be about this week? I hope we'll be about Jesus. Let's be about Jesus' way, Jesus' life, Jesus' truth. He's number one. He's in control. And as we release control of our own lives, God will fill us with life. Lord, as we sing this song, we surrender completely to you. Lord, we love you. You are number one. We trust you, God. Lord, I pray right now for our nation. Lord, I pray for our current president would bless him with wisdom, bless him with leadership. I pray you would guide our current president with every decision that comes across his desk. Lord, I pray you would, you would guide him. Lord, I pray for our next president, whoever they may be. I pray the same thing. I pray for you to provide them with wisdom, provide them with leadership, provide them with your direction. I pray you'd give them health. Lord, I pray for the racial turmoil in our nation to be truly resolved. 
I pray that all of God's people feel loved and cared for. Lord, I pray for COVID-19 in our world to end. Lord, you're in charge of all. Lord, I pray for this virus to die and come to a cease. Lord, I pray for the results of the elections in our world to not cause riots or despair. I pray for peace and security to come during the elections. Lord, clearly we're not a nation of order, but we know that your kingdom is a kingdom of order. So Lord, I pray your kingdom come. Let let that part of your kingdom come upon our nation. Bring order to our nation and not disorder. Lord, we repent of trusting political man-made systems above you. Lord, we trust you. You are God. You are king. You are ruler over all. We don't trust in chariots or horses. We trust in you. Lord, you are king. You are everything we need. Lord, let your church be a church surrendered to your plans. Let your church be a church whose attitude is surrendered to you fully. That shows peace. That shows order and is attractive to an unbelieving world. Lord, we love you. We give you praise. We honor you. Can we all just lift our hands to the Lord and worship him? Lord, we worship you. We honor you. We love you. We glorify your name. You are a good God. The whole world will, will declare your praise. We believe it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess in Jesus Christ our Lord.